and I love fish. I can't say it enough. I'm nope. never giving it up. I nope. just love her so much. I yep. love, I love fishing. Man, I love fishing. That's just what I do. I can't say it enough. I'm nope. never giving it up. I nope. just love her so much. I yep. love, I love fishing. Man, I love fishing. That's just what I do. See. Everything about fishing is great. The word hate don't even correlate with dropping bait. I can't wait to get my bucket list of fish caught and kissed, then released into a watery mist. I'm in bliss when the big fish has landed. It feels outstanding. The sounds and sights of being outside standing under the stars. No cars or traffic lights. The sound a wave makes when it breaks makes for magic nights. I've been in nasty fights with hard hitters, and I'm ready for whenever that alligator gar or shark visits. I'm a shark wizard, I catch the biggest and the baddest Release the beast, watch them disappear like magic I gotta have it, a reeling them up I gotta have it, the feeling is love A real is a must, have with mustad I just ask for what I need It's likely a circle hook and look, it ain't size three I can't say it enough, I'm nope. never giving it up I nope. From so deep in the heart of Central Texas It's the Best of the Outdoors Podcast Brought to you by Texas Fishing Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas Outdoor Nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Vaughn Warnke, the Outdoor Success Guy, back with another podcast for you. So excited to be able to sit down in front of this microphone and this computer screen to talk to you guys again about the outdoors in Texas and beyond. This is just an awesome opportunity I get. This is therapeutic for me to be able to talk into this microphone and uh, share my thoughts in the outdoors and also uh, share the blessings of the outdoors with you guys that God has bestowed upon us in uh, Texas and beyond and uh, just the diverse wildlife and landscape and um, and uh, you know and, and fish that we have and, and, and aquatic creatures and all kinds of awesome stuff that's out there there's so much to take in and uh, I'm going to do this podcast just uh, as long as I can keep going and I uh, really appreciate you guys tuning in and listening today I've got Chester Moore our editor-in-chief on the podcast and we're talking about the early flounder run before I get to that some fishing stories for you um, went to Lake Conroe last uh, weekend right before I released this podcast it's a week before the podcast releases when I'm recording this, um, and basically uh, went fishing with my father-in-law, Joe Vogel, a great guy, um, big uh, shout out to him, He's uh, he does a lot of work with one of the ministries I work with, Camp Agape, which is a bereavement camp for kids, kind of a, um, a camp that uh, helps kids over the loss of a loved one. Um, and, uh, he was a president for many years, couldn't go on this trip with me for a number of years. And I finally got him on the trip. We had a great time out on the boat in the water with, uh, two guys that are new to our ministry and kind of teaching them how we do jug fishing and caught a lot of fish, not as many as we normally catch. Cause the weather was incredibly warm and there was a cold front that came through, uh, it kind of made everything, you know, really chilly. And, uh, the fish just weren't where they normally are on this one point that we always, uh, discover, uh, every time we're out there and, uh, the fish just weren't in that area we didn't catch very many but our whole boats cumulatively caught a lot of fish and uh, i was in charge of the fish cleaning uh on saturday afternoon and had a lot of fun and my father-in-law was uh was ribbing those fish after we were cutting those fillets off and uh as, as dennis martin who's been on the podcast before calls it the fish disassembly line <laughs> and uh it was just a lot of fun uh getting out there and fishing caught a uh, one of our boats caught a 40 plus pounder and one of our other boats caught a 20 plus pounder so not that many 
huge floor fish as we call them because they only fit on the floor they don't fit in the live well uh but still a good time just great to get out and fellowship with other christian men and uh just great time to spend outdoors with your family i mean this is just a wonderful time of year heck any time is a good time of year even if you're ice fishing up in michigan it's a good time of year to be outdoors all right so there you go um but no matter where you are no matter where you are listening to this in the world i know a lot of you guys listen from all over the place just thank you guys so much for tuning in and watching and reading and listening on all of our stuff i've got a little bit of a cold this week or allergies i don't know what exactly it is so forgive my little sniffling on the podcast this week on the recording that i do with chester but um i just i love 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 doing this podcast for you guys and uh this is just as therapeutic for me as it is for you guys and i just want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for listening please tell a friend please subscribe smash the subscribe button wherever you are listening even if it's on youtube uh also please subscribe on uh itunes and leave us a five-star rating review that would help other people find the podcast and be able to engage with us in a deeper way and uh we get a new show every two weeks when you subscribe so that's a good way to do that on your mobile device or your phone or whatever you listen to this on uh, your computer you can basically subscribe through podbean that's the uh, app that this podcast is hosted through it's a hosting service for podcasts and uh, i also i haven't mentioned this in a long time have an online course if you want to do the kind of media stuff like i do in the outdoor industry with a podcast or writing articles or um anything like that um you know doing videos on youtube and those kind of things like i do uh you can definitely check out that online course at uh, i believe it's just outdoorsuccessguy.com um that'll uh, that'll bring you to the landing page for the course and uh it'll kind of teach you how to uh how to do that kind of stuff and it's at a really uh low price right now too so yeah it's outdoorsuccessguy.com not the outdoorsuccessguy.com just outdoorsuccessguy.com um, and that'll bring you to my Thankific site where I host the course. You can uh, purchase the course. It's relatively inexpensive for all the values you get. And it's me teaching how I do stuff in the outdoors. So you can go check that out at uh, OutdoorSuccessGuide.com. All right. Thank you guys so much for watching, reading, and listening. Here is my interview with Mr. Chester Moore. Here we go. Joining me on the phone, Mr. Chester Moore, Editor-in-Chief, Texas Fishing Game Magazine, host of his own radio show. How are you doing today, Chester? Man, I'm doing great. My daughter Faith is sitting right here with me. She and I were just calling in some turkeys that are it's a huge farm down the road from the house. And these turkeys run around the woods. They get all over the floor. Kind of feral turkeys. Feral and, uh, turkeys. I love yeah. it. I mean, you know, think about a feral hog, you know, <laughs> that they're literally hogging it out. Well, these are feral turkeys. And uh, it's warm enough now. They're already kind of getting the itch. And she was using some of her high-tech gobbling skills. We'll post <laughs> on Instagram later. <laughs> Gobble, you heard it. Gobble, gobble, gobble. One more time. There we go. That 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 literally got him from like a hundred yards away up to us. So it was. uh, And we were photographing some cannons, some wild Canada geese this morning, and some mallards uh, down close to the bayou where I live. So it's been a good morning. And uh, and, you know, you're calling in to talk about early flounder, and uh, we're we're kind of just past where it started right and kind of going what i'm calling the peak of the early flounder run now people are going right now it's going chester how can there be a peak when there isn't an early flounder run (laughs) well you just haven't been uh exposed to the fact that flounder the run of the flounder people talk about in the fall is the migration into the gulf of mexico so flounder they're in the bays marshes even up in the river systems the bulk of them migrate out in the fall to spawn in the Gulf of Mexico, but they got to return, right? And they start returning typically around the middle of March, but 
there's an early run of fish that I have found some of the bigger fish come in early. And that starts around Valentine's Day and basically runs for what I call about a month, about basically till around the 15th or so of March. And then we kind of get that steady run of flounder. So let me break down the difference between what an early run would be. An early run is characterized by uh, small flurries of bites. Okay. You're not going to go into an area and like just start whacking them like you would in the full-on spring run or definitely not in the fall run. But what you'll find is pockets of fish that'll move in on the big incoming tides, and you'll get flurries of fish. And you might run a shoreline and get nothing. The next shoreline, you know, you get a limit. But there are fish moving in on the incoming tides right now along the Gulf Coast. Well, that's exciting. Yeah, it's great, man, and a lot of people don't go after them. And uh, we also have holdover fish. Not all of the fish go out in the fall, and with the increased numbers because of the conservation measures that were put in place going on 11 years ago now, uh, you have a lot more fish holding over. So you got holdover fish on top of new fish right. that are here. And what I like about the new fish and why runs are so crucial is a flounder isn't exactly the, the ultimate long-distance swimmer. They're not a pelagic fish. They're not like a marlin right. or a mako shark. They move small distances. So when they when they come in or go out, they're a lot hungrier because of the caloric usage. So when these new fish come in, they're ready to bite. When you find a pocket of them, usually they will Usually just, just come home with some flounder, huh? Wow. Yep, that's it. That's it. How how do I, I'm sorry to ask this I'm not a huge flounder expert like you are but how do flounders swim I mean do they swim do they just kind of like swim like vertically or horizontally or or how how does that they work? swim just like you see them <laughs> pretty much like flat you know? right yeah man they, they swim like that and uh, they're actually good swimmers but what I've seen flounders swimming in clear water in the wild uh, and what they uh, what they typically do is they'll swim a short distance and then they'll just come lay down a second, then swim a little more, you know. But that's they can, what they, I figured. Yeah, but they also you, know, you get a really strong current that'll help push them along, and uh, that's why the outgoing tides are so um, uh, wonderful for catching fish in the fall because right. they're wanting to leave. They have the urge to leave, and the incoming are really, really good, even better than normal. They are my favorite incoming tide, but they're even better in the early and the spring runs. Okay, cool. No, that's good. Uh, obviously, yeah. I mean, that's when you always talk about, you know, some of the best flounder fishing being is, is later on in the spring. But it's just interesting that you chose this topic for me for uh, for the editorial calendar for this because I had never really heard of flounder being that active this early in the year. Well, it's really interesting. Uh, my, I guess my flounder mentor was, uh, it is Captain Skip James. Skip's been retired for about a decade now, and has had some health issues. But Skip knows more about like you know flounder in terms of what they're doing. Anybody ever met my wife? And he said, you know, took me out one February and we caught some flounder. And I knew there were some like holdover. I knew there were some holdover fish. Right. But um, we started noticing. I, I'd say this is probably ninety six, ninety seven, very early into my career that there were just some huge fish being caught and it would always happen around starting around Valentine's day on. And it would always be in conjunction with big tidal movements, big incoming, bigger incoming tides. And I'm like, and right now we have a full moon recording this and that, right. that usually helps matters as well. Sure. And uh, just uh, fish coming in migrations don't all take place at once. This is the first push of the migration. And um, people have basically looked at flounder as like they're a big dumb fish you catch. 
the fall. But with Flounder Revolution and all the things I've done over the years, my book Flounder Fever, I've been able to prove that flounder the flounder are fish that have a lot of different dynamics. And they, uh, just like a largemouth bass, as a matter of fact, they used to call them the largemouth of the days. So you have a pre-spawn, a post-spawn, you know, you got a pre-run, an early run, a, a middle run, and a late run, you know? Interesting. And is it better to fish day or night for flounder? I've always wondered that. Definitely daytime. The only time I've ever caught flounder at night are around Peter's Lights. Flounder are very visual, and um, it's pretty much a daytime thing. Matter of fact, I don't even like real early. Like, I like to have about at least 30 minutes of light out there, whereas speckled trout, I'd be out there before the light comes. I see. And and the other thing I was going to ask you is, because the reason I ask about that, don't people gig for flounder at night, right? Yeah, they gig for flounder because the lights allow them to penetrate into oh, the water and the flounder okay. are bedded up and they stick them with a gig. That's right. That's right. All right. I got that now. Yeah, that's fine. I was just curious. So Yeah, that ain't rocket science, but we can make the other stuff rocket science. <laughs> well, I mean, the fishing for them is a lot more of a challenge than just going to stick them with them. Yeah, I mean, there's the nothing you know, wrong with somebody going out and gigging some flounder, right. but it's pretty much shine a light, stick them. Uh, this has got a lot to it, and uh, that's what really is always intriguing me. What I'm excited about is the digital edition of Texas Fishing Game has an exclusive you're not going to find it anywhere else. Not going to find it on my Facebook anywhere. A Flounder Revolution column in every single issue. Flounder Revolution took a uh, a five year hiatus. Yes, sir. Um, and it was time to bring it back. And there's a lot more coming with this. But the column and this podcast are kind of a reveal of a lot more stuff that's going to be going on with Flounder this year. And uh, one of the things we always were talking about is the fact that there's so many facets of flounder fishing. I actually wrote. It's interesting because you're intrigued by because you're not a flounder fisherman. You, know, you live up in the hill country and right. you're more uh, geared to you know stream fishing and, and, yeah. and lakes. And like that. Right. Is the fact that I wrote an article on this for Tide Magazine, CPCA's magazine. I would say early flounder run, probably 01, 02, oh, wow. and literally had people email and say you're crazy, it's not real, you know. But really? I would say. Those are probably the same people that wrote in 05 and said that when I wrote the article for Tide called Jaws in the Gulf, that there were no great whites in the Gulf, and that has been completely validated by science. Right. So, exactly. uh, but people are kind of catching on to the fact that, hey, man, there's, there's some flounder out there early. No, that's good. I mean, I, I think I'm just intrigued because it's such an interesting fish, and I just, you know, for instance, give us what the best, before we get too much further in this, what's the best, uh, you know, bait for flounder? Because you've given a couple of tips like that before on this show. Oh, we're going to go full on. We're going to we're gonna hammer. <laughs> you know, I can't do flounder 10% or 90% I know. or 99%. It's full throttle, baby. Matter of fact, 100% kind of sucks. Uh, <laughs> 100 is better. Yeah. No, no, that sucks. We're going to go 150. 150. Okay, that's <laughs> cool. Oh my gosh, it's funny. But it's uh, it's really, it's really um, intriguing stuff. And um, so let me just break down kind of what to do, what I'm, what we're using out there this time of year. Yes. And I tell you, what's interesting is, like I said, uh, the number one thing I'm looking for is a tidal movement. You know, what, I, what I tell people, and I may be the only guy that says this constantly, is, look, people, you go fishing when you can go fishing. 
I can right. tell you the optimal time, but then if you're working a shift, you got family stuff, you go fishing, you go fishing. Yes. But the number one thing you look for is tidal movement. So um, if you're going flounder fishing in the spring or any time, you know, actually, I prefer an incoming tide even in the fall, other than when a northern first kind of blows through and does its thing. But I'm looking for an incoming tide to be the optimal fishing. Any tidal movement will have fish fighting. Actually, any water current can turn it on. I've had slack tides come in and completely shut off slider fishing. I'm talking about like the, the tide will come in and it'll shut it down to such an extent that there's no bites. Then a ship will come by and pull water and you'll have about a five minute window of bites. Really? That's fascinating. Yep. It's true. I've seen it and seen it. And I saw this proven at Texas Freshwater, uh, not Texas Freshwater. Uh, to, uh, at Sea Center, Texas, in Lake Jackson, because I had written about this, and one of the biologists said, Watch this, Chester. And we were taking pictures of flounder in the tanks, trying to get pictures of them feeding. And they had turned the, they had turned the current off, um, the pumps, the current makes current, so I could get pictures because there were too many bubbles. Right. And only one fish came up out of a tank full of 100 flounder to eat. And I'm like, This is ridiculous. Watch this. And he turned the current on, and about 30 seconds later, there was a feeding frenzy. <laughs> That's so, great biology, right? I've been in areas several times where I remember forgetting the name of the day, great Saturday, and it would just bang completely off. Wow. And then a few minutes later, here comes a ship, and a ship pulled water, and we had, I think we caught two or three fish. You know, it, um, so water movement, incoming tide, the best. Um, you're going to want to look right now, the early part, you're going to fish around the passes. You got a chance to fish around any of the inlets and from the Gulf. Uh, I like to fish spots where you have shallow water, meaning deep water. Uh-huh. And you have shallow water. I like I prefer mud bottom or sand bottom. I, I, I avoid shell right now. Not so much. I'll be a little bit later in the spring. We'll do that. And then I'll go into the into the southern tier of the base systems and look for bayous, inlets feeding into the base system and fish the, the outer shoreline and about the first 50 yards of the cut. And what I like to do this time of year is I start off a little bit smaller bait than I would um, or, or lower than I would other times of the year. I will fish starting off with uh, – uh, usually I, I, I use like heavy braid. And I always have a line with at least 30-pound Berkeley fire line rigged with like a smoke-colored uh, gulp curl tail, which is a thick swimming mullet, or a Mr. Twister in um, kind of the smokest color or the pink, a little bit tiny piece of shrimp. Yeah. Or uh, that's kind of my big stick if they're biting. But if I think I'm going to make them bite, I go completely the opposite, which is fluorocarbon line, about 10-pound fluorocarbon. And a uh, a little quit, uh, little sassy shad from Mr. Twister, kind of like it's a shad color with metal flake, yep. and a and a tiny, tiny, tiny piece of shrimp or gulp on it, and I just hop it along the bottom and wait for fish to hit. And um, it, it, what happens is this time of year, your bait fish sources are a lot smaller. In other words, the shad aren't as big. The bigger shad are already migrated out in the Gulf. The shrimp are smaller. It's typically on smaller stuff. So I start with a little bit smaller bait. I might use the two inch and then go up to the three and a half, four inch, something like that. The bite's really on. So you've talked about this before where you're you're using a, a little small piece of shrimp on the tip of the hook, correct? Yes. Aside from your artificial lure. That does not mess with the bite hookup in, in any way though. Nah, nah, I always well, I always leave the hook exposed. Okay, I always leave the hook exposed. So cover cover the hook and leave part of the hook exposed. Yep, that's okay, it. Okay, okay. I got And it. you know, I've had guys say like, You're not really catching them on the lure. You are 
it's shrimp. It's right. first off, that's foolishness. Who cares? I'm catching Smarty fish. Fans. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's always that guy out there. Well, uh, you can't do it. I had a guy one time, you know, tell me, he goes, I bet I can outfish you, fish and flounder in the grass. Because I like to roll through that grass you don't fish with. And I'm like, well, that's fine because I'd rather have a brick drop on my head than fish through the grass. So there we go. You win. <laughs> you know, if you're if your thing, working through the grass and fishing like you bass and catching a little rock roll, have a good time at it. Right. This, is a, this is a method that what I'm talking about is anyone can apply this. Yes. It works. It it's works. Practical for and tactical. Yeah, it's yeah. practical, man. That's the whole thing. Right. And we're going to you know, we get in some, you know, maybe later in some summer about some really drastic, crazy technique. Right. But once again, I try to design them so anybody can do the stuff, you know? Yeah. No, I hate it, it when a guy does an illustration of something that's for the masses. You know, they're like, flounders are bass strategies for everybody. You have to have like a slide rule and like a. <laughs> You know, surveying equipment to make all the technique work. Yeah. You got to hold your mouth the right way, right? And, yeah, and you got to like take your leg out a certain direction yeah. and face the west wind. And, you know, I mean, they're like, you have to do this, you will catch fish. And I'm like, man, who can do that? Oh, my God. I want everybody to catch fish. But one of the, the, the other key thing with the flounder is, you know, when you're fishing, I'll, I'll hop small little hops along the the bottom and then if that doesn't work i'll just try reel it in and drag it and i fish spinning equipment spinning equipment has a lower gear ratio right that and i like because it naturally makes me fish slower also there's a lot less backlashes and if you like to skip a lure if you can skip spinning equipment's the best for skipping and i could skip that lure under uh you know rosocane and docks and different things like that so spinning equipment works out a whole lot better than the casting stuff and um you know, all the bass fishermen, when they do finesse fishing, smaller stuff, they use spinning gear, and it works. You know, it's, um, you know, Skip taught me a little bit of this years ago, and I just really ran with it, you know. Uh, he wasn't into finesse stuff at all. He was all power fishing, and I'm like, man, there's a way to get these fish when they don't want to bite, you know. And that's right. kind of what we're talking about. But this spring thing is great. And uh, right now, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm out here, it's a... I'm out here right in Orange, close to the Texas coast. I mean, I'm literally six miles away from Sabine Lake as a as a eagle flies, and um, it's probably 60 degrees. But um, when you have those days that warm up into the 70s, right? If you find a warm afternoon, um, those fish will be up a little higher, a little shallower on those muddy bottoms. The mud bottoms, if it's sunny in particular, uh, the mud bottoms. Uh, retain heat better than the rest of the bottoms because of the black color the, the gummy color uh, okay. and and that'll warm up a few degrees need more bait fish more fish that's just some little little tips and strategies you can, you can you can try you know no it's good and i mean you know i always i'm always curious because a flat fish being what they are how to strategize and you're giving great tips because this is the kind of stuff i love about this podcast is is that we give listeners you know good stuff to uh to take home but i mean this is stuff that any like you like you said earlier it's stuff that anybody can apply and catch fish you know it's yeah not that's the ticket that's why people need to read the flounder revolution column in the digital if you never read the digital issue of fishing a lot of bonus video content stuff like that but read the flounder revolution column it's it's exclusive every month and you're going to see new stuff cutting edge stuff you know it's time it's uh you know i think we we accomplished what we originally want to accomplish uh in five years which was to 
uh, make people look at, at, at larger flounders of fish to be released. Yes. Uh, we've still got a long ways on that. When we started that dialogue, I've seen a lot more out there. Because we gave, a, for, for five years, we gave a replica away every month to the angler who released the biggest fish and turned it in. Uh, it was basically share longer for flounder. Uh, and yeah. I did that for five years. It was sponsored by the Fish Mount Company, who does awesome taxidermy work in Florida, and CCA. The second year, CCA came, came on a sponsor, and we gave out um, – in five years, we gave out 45 flounder mounts. Oh, wow. That's, that's and one cool. guy got like 20 of them. <laughs> <laughs> you really got a big one. And Jansen Miller. He, oh, he, he, wow. We had flounder angler of the year. Out of, out of five years, he was uh, flounder angler of the year three of those years. And, uh, but it got people excited about it. And so we're back a lot of new stuff coming up this year for flounder. Um, I had to kind of go underground, you know, for a while with it. And, uh, I didn't fish for flounder quite as much because of the things going on. And, um, but we're back. I've been doing a lot of studying on flounder and there's a lot of cool stuff coming up, uh, in 2019 and beyond with flounder revolution, Texas fishing game. That's really cool. And the Texas Gulf Coast is so diverse. It's got so much, you know, to offer there, the third coast, if you will. And, you know, the other thing that I was going to mention to you is back to spinning reels real quick. Um, you had an article, and I forget what issue it was, uh, on, on why spinning reels are important. And I thought that was a pretty fascinating look at, at this the, the techniques and stuff and for, for certain types of fishing, why it's better than uh, baitcasters. Yeah, you know, and there's a lot of stuff that you can do. That's uh, it falls truer. In other words, falls straight down to right. vertical fishing. Right. And sometimes the fall is really the key in any kind Important. of fishing. Yeah. You know, if it doesn't fall right or over a particular piece of cover or structure, and it's a lot truer fall. Uh, I, I tell people all the time, man. Look, if you're if you're fishing and you're not you're not an expert caster, and who is really? <laughs> <I'm> um, not. <laughs> you know, always have spinning equipment because it, it can. And by the way. The worst backlashes in human history are all on spinning reels. Uh, yeah. But it's kind of like a black bear attack. They almost never happen. When they do, they're carnivorous. And that's kind of – they're kind of like a carnivorous attack. But you have like a one one-hundredth of a chance of backlashing with the spinning Correct. equipment as you do with casting equipment. And of course, I use both. I mainly use the, the, the casting stuff when I'm fishing for, you know, specs, reds, you know, most bass fishing applications. But um, – you know, I probably haven't caught but maybe five or six flounder on, on casting gear in 20 years. This is kind of off the subject real quick, but I've, my father-in-law, uh, no, my, my grandfather, uh, had one of those that, that uh, Joe Doggett wrote about, the red reel. The red reel, baby. The, the Abu Garcia. I still own my grandfather's. Oh, that's and cool. He died in 1986, and I still own that is one of my favorite reels that I own because it's just that iconic classic Abu Garcia look and feel and oh my gosh they don't make them like that you know like the the style anymore it's just something oh, they're iconic beautiful. They're about beautiful. that that was a big deal around our household yeah um, uh, is that kind of stuff was really a big deal to us uh, we didn't have a lot of money so when we did get something like that it was it was treasured it was in a our big household. deal yeah yeah for sure and, and that's, that's the right thing around. we got we got to kind of do is get back to some of that treasuring some of these great things and, 
and uh, creating some new memories. And one way you can create new memories is getting in this early flounder run to show the other people. They don't know what they're talking about. That's there right. are flounder out there right now. You can go catch them. It's kind of like, you know, on the freshwater lake here, Tommy Tidwell, he made a comment on one of the things I was editing, one of his hotspot reports he was editing. He was like, don't be the guy that's waiting on the news of how the run's going. You need to be the guy on the trip, you know, getting it, getting the information firsthand. And the way that he was so direct with that, I was just giggling because I was like, man, this it, guy's on top that, of it. Sure, I'll be honest. I had to write fishing reports for years, you know, earlier in my career because that's what the publications demanded, like the newspapers and stuff like yes. that. I hated it because to me it was all false information because fishing changes by the minute. Right. You know, I like to teach people patterns. Yeah. It, you, what you've heard right now is patterns. Yes. I, I mentioned kinds of locations like Seawolf Park and and San Luis Pass and Sabine Pass. But those are kinds of locations. And if you if you if you just go on right. and you'll find a fish, and, and I guarantee eighty five percent of the people that fish there probably just go there because it's a known hot spot. Right? But do they know why? Do they know that's on a migrational route? Do they know that there's big drop offs in the deeper water where the flounder go, and there are shallower flats along there? If you know that, we'll go, man. We'll see what the isn't working. But man, if I drive over to Speed Pass, it's only an hour and fifteen over there. There are spots like that I can get from the bank just like this, right. you know, so it might not be good there, but it might be good somewhere else. You just, it's, that's why patterns are important. Bass fishermen, the Rick Klein is a friend of mine. It was blows my mind to say that, but the greatest, in my opinion, bass fisherman of all time. And right. Rick just won his, uh, the oldest guy to ever win a tournament. He already broke that record three years ago. He broke it again. Bassmaster Elite. And right. uh, Rick told me one time, he goes, the problem with young anglers coming up is they're incredible at the, te- they're incredible at the technological part and running spots. So get all these spots, but if, this, if, if what they're running the spots for, if the information they got the spots for, if the, if the, if the weather changed, the barometric pressure and changed the way it worked, when people gave it to them, they're useless. Right. Yeah, he goes, I but it, you got the young guy, because however, the young guys that have the instinct of feeling, oh, hold on. It just it feels like it's three or four degrees cooler. There's a, there's a change in pressure, and they know the spots and the technology. Because those guys would be the dangerous ones. Watch, At a more yeah. basic level, if people can learn, hey, these are good locations, but why do we use these locations? They'll always have a spot to fish that's productive. Yeah, that's good. And it's true because it comes down to instinct to some regard. I mean, technology is great, but I've always said on this show and in my writing work that, that don't use that as a crutch. Use that as to your advantage. You know, use use the basic patterns, use the basic instinct, use the, you know, use the basic knowledge, the, 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 the common, I mean, the group of knowledge that's out there is just so immense right now, especially with the technology we have in social media and everything now. Uh, education that we have is better than it's ever been i mean don't use technology and rely solely on that because someday that might not be here i mean i'm just saying if you know something crazy happens but well you know exactly and you lose your soul right uh, right right that's why that's why i'm going with that Chester. yes exactly you you don't have the feel for it man i love i'm sitting here right now going man if i had the time today I know where I'd be flounder fishing, right? You know, just because (laughs) the way the conditions are i'm like i know i'm the man i know where a good spot would be right now you know (laughs) <laughs> that's good and you know i didn't mean to get off on the red wheel thing but i mean the whole idea that i that you and i talk about just about every time we do the show is the i the the, 
the the essence of why we do what we do in the outdoors and it's not all about kitchen and catching killing and 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 doing all that you know just dominating the wild it's about that communion with nature and with god and with the you know with the the reason in our souls while we fish you know and hunt and exactly man that's really what it's about i can't separate my fishing from my memories of me with my dad fishing oh me neither dude totally and you know i can't separate that it's and i don't want to and on the last show, uh, uh, let's see here, which one was it? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, the 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 second to last show. I think it was Jeff Stewart and I. No, I guess it was the last show. Jeff Stewart and I were talking about winter catfish. And my goodness, man, did we share some memories that I hadn't thought about in decades, man? With my grandfather going out fishing with him for catfish, and with my dad going fishing for you know perch and bass and all the stuff that we did. I mean, that was what it was all about back then. And I mean, it, just to remember those things is like the essence of why I still fish. You know, what I mean. Well, you know, I have had a difficult time enjoying fishing and hunting as much since my dad passed. Your dad's gone. Yeah, I know. I mean, I love the topic. I love all of it, but it really, in the last two to three months, has it finally started coming back for me? Sure. You know, and um, it's not that I don't I love all this, but it's like me actually going and enjoying the application of doing it. It's right. not. It's right. not, it's been the same. But my friend Josh Sloan is kind of uh, every time I get around Josh, which isn't a whole lot, but when I'm around Josh, we start talking about all the various turkey slams and the. And, uh, you know, he's a bass fisherman and all this stuff. It just gets me kind of keyed up and, yep. you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of back, back where I was now and it feels better than ever, you know, but yeah. that's because you can't, those memories are powerful, you know, it's reigniting your fire in a way. And that's one thing memories help you do is just realize why you want to go forward, you know, and, and, yep. and create new memories with the ones you love. Like you've got faith, I've got Jackson, you know, yep. um, you know, we've got our kids and stuff that we can share this all with. And it's just, it's a good thing. I've always been into that, and so I came from that. My dad would take our friends fishing, you know. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like a heritage of that, you know what I mean? Sure, and and, sure. and that's one of the reasons it's so important for me to help to help other people learn how to do that and become better and more proficient in the field. Because uh, my dad didn't have a lot of tools, right. you know. My dad came before the internet era. My dad didn't have a lot of money, but my dad made it work. And yeah. uh, because I've been put into a position and I've worked my you know what off to do what I do. Right. For 26 years, I want to take whatever opportunities I have and make sure other people out there can go, hey, I can do that too. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's yeah, the whole I, thing we try to do with the podcast and the digital edition on the Flounder Revolution and everything is make the outdoors more accessible. I talk about that like ad nauseum on this show, but I really drive that home because we're not some super elitist people here trying to talk about the family. A ringtail cat that we're going to hunt like you like to say or whatever you know but we're, we're yeah about... there's, there's always some guy you know what i mean there's always <laughs> we're about I'll give making you an example this you, would be yeah. kind of a great way to wrap this up in okay. terms of how we you know the texas fishing game and all of us out the outgrowth of that um uh nine years ago probably i'm at a, a toyota texas bass classic and i'm, I'm doing some coverage for fishgame.com of that tournament because it was great, man. It's a Texas tournament. It's catch and release. It's really good stuff, right? right? And there's a bass angler that I'd actually been in the boat with and done had on the cover at one point. And he's not a real like you, you could name him. You have to be a really hardcore bass guy to know him, right? Yeah, right. And I go up there and I and I say, okay, can you give me an idea? I know you're not gonna tell me where you're. Where. So you give me an idea of what kind of pattern you're following. He goes, they're out there in the water somewhere. <laughs> and he just looked like he was, oh, I'm real cool, Mister Smug, you know, whatever. I walked off, okay, 
And then Mike Iaconelli, who I didn't know at the time, I know Mike real well, now comes up. And Mike starts taking a pen and paper and drawing illustrations. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Of where, like what's going on. Basketball. And then there's a kid who comes up. He takes the bass he had in his bag and chases the kid around the parking lot with it. Uh, <laughs> Typical Mike Iaconelli style, too. That's right? <laughs> why he's Mike Iaconelli. Yeah. And this guy's who he is. Yeah. And nobody's heard of the other guy. Yeah. And yeah. they won't. Yeah. I you have to be really hard. I think he's not a good fisherman. It's just the the giving back, the all that kind of stuff lives on. That's what excited about being on the Best of the Outdoors podcast, Dustin Morky, Texas Fishing Game, Texas Fishing Game, Digital Edition, Flannel Revolution, the crazy pro- projects that Chester Moore engages himself in. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. And, and also, the one thing that I've been trying to do that you've given me the assignments to do is knock out a, a, a monthly video for each issue of the month of, of 2019. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I've been having a lot of fun doing those. I just finished one yesterday for the March issue, so... Um, yeah, and there's a wildlife journalist in my column. There's a wildlife journalist yes. 10 minute uh, audio track and your videos, and we got some a lot of cool stuff I'm finding out there from different fishing game agencies. We're adding the stories about that'll highlight different parts of the feature. So it's a great way to check it out. Uh, awesome stuff, man, and I really appreciate you having me on your podcast. Yeah, today. sure. Yeah, tell people how they can find you, Chester, before we close this out. Oh, Lord, have mercy. How can <laughs> find Chester Moore? All right, we'll go to ChesterMoore.com. That's kind of where I'm most of my stuff now chestermore.com and um go to you can find me on facebook and and at the chestermore that's right the chestermore instagram okay cool at the chestermore great and yep. um you've got the wildlife journalist is your is your other website right yeah it's my blog but i got blog. what i'm doing now sending everybody to chestermore.com you can see all that on there oh, okay okay i didn't realize you had, you had it's kind of a catch-all now you a know catch-all it's kind of like my dustinsprojects.com is the hub of yeah, all things like, dustin go there and there's all the stuff <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's the way i've been doing it with my and i also dustinwarnke.com i have you know too because you talk you got chestermore.com so there you go man. That too, and so. email me at chester at chestermore.com oh yeah yeah yeah, easy to remember that, too. That's true. That's it. So, all right. Thanks a lot for joining us, Chester. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. you, Dustin. Thank you, man. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Chester Moore, the uh, wildlife journalist, as he calls himself, uh, very, very uh, experienced in fishing and hunting, as well as wildlife and um, encounters with fish and game that is, uh, that is you know, definitely strange or interesting or things you didn't know about uh, fish or game that uh, fish or animals that, uh, that live in the Gulf of Mexico and in our lakes and streams and beyond uh, in our land. Uh, just really great guy. If you've not done so already, and I say this every show just about, so I'm sorry if you've heard this before, but if you've not done so already, subscribe to our newsletters. You get the new podcast every week on Thursday's newsletter. Uh, you get the new podcast, uh, even if it reruns. I've, I've got bye weeks here since I do them every two weeks, but you get the, the listing of the podcast every week. Um, on the Thursday newsletter, you have Tactical and Practical Tuesday. I think it's just going to be called Practical Tuesday or something like that next. Uh, I forget what they're going to re- rebrand that as. But the Tuesday newsletter, uh, the Wednesday Wildlife Wednesday newsletter with Chester Moore, and the Thursday Texas State of the Outdoor Nation newsletter, which is kind of our big newsletter that combines all the stories from Tuesday and Wednesday and um, and then has, um, has uh, some new stories in it for Thursday. You'll see a lot of my fingerprints around those newsletters because just recently, this past week uh when i'm recording this show i had three stories that were in one on the bonus ring uh for archery sites one on why hunting red lights with coyotes or uh, why hunting with red lights for coyotes i should say uh and then as well as uh, our friends at um 
uh let's see here what was the other one oh yeah yeah friends of Yakul and uh unio uh the uh the camp axe and the uh, tactical shovel so two two kind of product reviews that i did in one um of uh, of what i thought about those products so anyway some interesting stuff and some more stuff coming and uh, i just love contributing to the fishgame.com because i'm more of a digital guy than i am anything uh most of my projects are on digital if you want to learn more about me and what i do in the outdoors read some of my articles listen to some of these podcasts or um download some um some videos uh you can check out dustinsprojects.com that's dustinsprojects.com as i mentioned earlier in the show with chester um really good stuff there it's kind of a hub of all things that i do just like chester moore has chestermore.com i have dustinwarnke.com my last name is spelled w-a-r-n-c-k-e love you guys so much for listening thank you please tell a friend please hit the subscribe button please also um uh, visit us online at fishgame.com. We have a ton of content there. All the podcasts since I started this thing with Texas Fishing Game in 2016 are there. Uh, if you go back to the best of the outdoors.podbean.com, uh, you'll see all the podcasts since we started this bad boy in 2015. Yes, believe it or not. And on the next podcast, I've got an exciting announcement about a promotion that I'm getting at Texas Fishing Game, and I'm going to save that for that show. And uh, you'll get uh, you'll get that then. Some exciting stuff coming for Dustin and Texas Fishing Game. Um, kind of a, a more amplified role of what I already do with the magazine. And um, just love this stuff. Love this stuff so much. So sorry again, I have a cold or allergies or whatever the heck it is this morning that I'm when I'm recording this. I'm a little stuffed up. But thank you guys so much for watching, reading, and listening. Have an awesome day in the outdoors. We'll see you next time.